0: Today on CityCast Salt Lake, nothing pleases a Salt Laker more than a little grocery shopping at the farmer's market on a Saturday morning. Last week, the line for peaches was deep. And while I love biting into a juicy peach, I've been side-eyeing my fruit lately. How much of our precious water did it take to grow you? So, Lead producer Emily Means and I took a trip up north to Utah's Fruit Highway in Perry. We spent a morning with Thane Taggy, a first-generation farmer and founder of the Taggy fruit empire. Thane took us on an adventure around his orchards and then to his office. Because while the drought is keeping him up at night, he's also proud of the solutions he's implemented that have cut his water use in half. It's Monday, August 22nd, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. All right, before we get into water talk, please enjoy a glimpse of our morning with Thane Taggy. He is a real
1: peach boss. Okay, here we go, this is a sales call. <laughs> Taggy's fruit. Taggy's We're fruit. Hi. Hi. I'm
0: looking
1: for peaches. We just started picking our first freestone, Sierra Gems. Now you don't want to can these, you just kind of want to eat them or freeze them. The really good peaches are always on peach days or around Labor Day. Are
0: those raspberries down there? These yeah. are all blackberries. They're blackberries. We've been
1: picking for three weeks. We've picked a ton, you guys. We put them all in our CSA do, boxes this last round. The blackberries turn black later? Yes, totally. <laughs> Black. Do you see oh, that? One? I see, I see. I think you need to go grab that one right <gasps> yeah, well, there. Yeah, you think so? And look so? over there a little higher. There's a few more. Make sure it's all solid black. No red on it. And, and if side these side.
0: aren't juicy, we're getting out of this car. Dang. And barbecue. Okay, they're amazing.
1: <laughs> are those crazy. Oh, shoot. Okay, now, well, now here's the thing. I feel like I
0: just hydrated my whole body on that exactly one cool. blackberry.
1: Blackberries are amazing. Okay. <laughs> we're in and we're out. Here we go. <laughs>
0: beautiful so, it's like an impressionist painting
1: yeah it really is isn't it that's and this another, is willard
0: bay yeah right? that's
1: willard bay so huh. this land as we're standing on it right here okay, i'm going to say it is the best land in the state to grow fruit and vegetables vegetables on let me tell you why last year i didn't i didn't everybody in the whole state froze out i didn't why canyon breeze lake effect hill sloping down facing east those three factors gave me about two degrees warm, more warmth. So this land, as far as I can control it, will never be put into homes. So anyway, those are pluots. Oh yeah. Which cross between a plum and an apricot. Mm-hmm. These plums I know are about ready to pick.
0: Oh my goodness, drive through. Yeah. Where's the That
1: one's oh, kind oh. of weird looking. <gasps> But yeah, they need to come pick these today. I gotta have them
0: come pick these. Yeah, pick
1: them. These are in good shape. Just look at that, isn't that pretty?
0: That's gorgeous. Which <laughs> one do you want? I'll take the ugly one, yeah, the spaceship right. one. Yeah. I like that one. Okay, <laughs> that plum is so sweet. I know, sweet.
1: I've got to get them to come pick them right now. Let me make it calm. That's
0: a perfect plum.
1: It really is. Mm-hmm. These are the peaches that made Brigham City famous. They're kind of a yellow peach, mm-hmm. but you can peel them almost with your hand. Wow! And this is a little production plant. We've got dried apples. Our syrups we make in there, and and we do some things. And I snowplow in the winter, so. Oh yeah. If I don't have enough to do.
0: Yeah. You're a real Renaissance man.
1: Yeah, that's right, man. Anything so I don't have to work for anybody, right? Yeah.
0: Okay, it's time to talk water. And please don't mind the soda machine and occasional announcements, because it turns out Thane's office is in a very unusual location. Thane Taggy, we're sitting in your office, correct? The subway and the flying J off of I-15? Corner booth. Corner booth. You've got a water, I've got a cherry Coke. Let's do this thing. (laughs) Tell me about your farm.
1: We bought the farm in 1997. Got a now total of 85 acres. Of tree crops, and we're growing a little bit of everything to be diversified: peaches, cherries, apricots, apples, pears, a lot of peaches—31 varieties, in fact. Certified organic blackberries, and da 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 da, garlic and peas.
0: So historically, how much water have you used in a given year?
1: I have source for three water rights: out of Canyon Willard, out of Canyon Perry, and then from Pine View. So I literally have a bunch of acre feet that's available to me in my name that I own. Okay. And I don't know the exact number right off the top of my head, but all I know is I've cut it down to a, th- I only use a third of my water rights.
0: Hmm. And how did you get to a point where you were using a third of your water rights?
1: went to drip irrigation. Everything um, up in Perry and Willard used to be watered through furrow irrigation. The water would run down the side of the tree, erode all the dirt, but it'd get the, keep the tree alive. And when the NRCS, the Natural Resource Conservation Service, came in with grants to update technology to put in drip systems, I jumped on the bandwagon and we put those drip systems in one orchard at a time. So I've put in four drip systems and helped a lot of neighbors get theirs into. So everybody that are significant farmers with significant land are, are on drip right now in Perry and Willard.
0: Hmm. How's it impacted your crops, the drip irrigation? Huge.
1: Waters the trees instead of the weeds. So how's that? Mm. Trees instead of weeds. Yeah. And you guys saw that a little bit. It's putting the water right where the tree needs to be. It's all engineered so that they know exactly based upon the gallons per minute, based upon how much is putting out, that we are watering that tree just exactly what it needs so that the soil is filled with water and that that tree does not stress out.
0: Uh, one of the things I'm curious about is like some of the barriers to implementing drip irrigation. Like, it sounds like you were one of the first on board. What have been the what have like been the hurdles or the
1: difficulties? Really good question. There are barriers depending on your water source. If your water source isn't any good, how are you going to get that water pressurized? And so, if you don't have pressure, you got to have a pump. If you don't, if you have a pump, do you have electricity? Hmm. So those those are some of the things that make it a little difficult. But there's um, all the you know science and engineering's there to to f- make something work and engineer it. So yeah. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah. One of the things you showed me is like you need to have clean, clean, clear, clear water in order for this to work because it needs to be able to push through these tiny little drip holes. So yeah, if you're not able to get good clean water or filter it well, then the thing's a bust. Right. It also seems like maybe finances is a barrier. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. You got to put up money up front. And as I understand it, for a lot of farmers, the margins are pretty narrow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you got to put the money up from. They don't pay you until you complete it. So I had to finance oh. it. And then they come out, hmm, Mr. Taggy, that looks pretty good, but you need to change that if you hmm. want to get your money. But I just did it by their plans. They handed me literally a blueprint of everything I needed to do.
0: Are there farmers you know that aren't on Drip yet? Oh yeah. That have been hesitant? Yeah. What are they saying?
1: They are kind of dragging their feet. It's a big step. You got to don't. You got to put in a, two or three months of work to figure it all out. Mm, yeah. Some of the old boys yeah. aren't doing it, and they're still using all their water up. And I bet they kind of wish they had had it conserved a little bit better right now, like I am.
0: Why is that? The drought.
1: Yeah, the drought. Because yeah. they tell us at the beginning of the year when they're going to turn it on, when they're going to turn it off, and if we get our full allotment, and we have every year. Mm. But that doesn't mean we get it next year.
0: I'm curious about like the decision to move to drip irrigation, the fact that you've used less water. Like, How much of that is about the economics, and how much of that is about like the drought and the need to conserve water?
1: First, it was all economics, because we did it way before that this was even an issue. Mm-hmm. When I first came up here, I talked to an old-time farmer. and said, Ralph, are we ever going to run out of water? And he laughed at me, and he said, we own the first water rights out of Pine View, the first water rights out of there, so he, in his mind, thought it would, never was an issue, but it is now an issue, mm. and even though we can use all our water rights, they have shortened the schedule a little bit, they've cut us off a week earlier, and they've started us a week later, mm. and that's never happened before. Trimming the fat. Yeah, they're trimming the fat, but they really are conscientious of us, orchardists, and what we need, and what the trees require, so we have a say in that a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's good. What happens to the water that you're not using? You-
1: okay, you know what? This is a really, really, really good question because I'm not 100% sure. This is what I do know. Out of one ditch, I'm leasing the water to another farmer who really, really needs it. Okay. And Because uh, he, he just doesn't have a lot of water rights and he's running a lot of land and he uses every, every drop of it. But the other ditch, I don't know where it goes. I hmm. really don't. Uh, something I'm kind of curious about, I know it's going downstream somewhere because hmm. I'm not using it, and yeah. I don't know where it's going or where it's ending up.
0: I'm like, would it go into the Great Salt Lake?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know. Not I a really, bad
0: end, end place for it. It for could it.
1: be. Even that's okay, probably. Yeah.
0: How do you feel about your farm in relation to the lake and the water you're if using? If I'm
1: filling up that lake, I'm happy as a clam. You know, yeah. I'm hoping some of that water's making it there. and
0: hmm you're a first-generation farmer. What's your what's your vision? What's the plan?
1: Okay, I'm going to be really honest here. Please. The first time I bought my 25 acres, I literally platted it for homes the next day.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: How short-sighted was that? So I bought the land, and then slowly over time, so I, we bought the first orchard in 1997, and I finally started realizing that the highest and best use of my land is to keep it in the orchard. And so that... That now has changed my whole perspective on everything, as far as I can control it, and I'm to, there are some things that we're doing to do that. I'm going to keep my land in orchards. It's the highest and best use of, of our property, and with the supply going down and the demand increasing, it's economics 101 as well. You know, from a business standpoint, to keep it in to keep it in that because if, once you sell the land, you've sold it once. I'm I'm using the land and I'm doing that over and over and over every year. So it's a continuous um, use of the land as long mm-hmm. as I maintain it through drip, through proper, through proper fertilization, through proper care, through proper weed control, mm-hmm. etc. You know, it's going to be a great, great machine uh, and viable for many many years to come. Each trees only last 25 years, so I'm replanting all the, all the time. putting in about 2,000 trees every year, taking out blocks. You got to stay on top of it, mm-hmm. just can't walk away. So, we're actually going to choose the heirs mm-hmm. of who's going to run that, have them set up, they can make mistakes so they can keep it going, and hopefully provide for them a good income that will keep them interested in doing that. Yeah. So, that's kind of the deal. That was a little bit longer than you wanted, but.
0: No, Thane Taggy, thank you so
1: much. Yeah, you're welcome.
0: Before we go, when we were riding back from Thane's office, the subway and the flying J off I-15, Thane named one of the reasons he thinks his business has really taken off social media. His daughter in particular understands the power of the post and their online presence has helped them build a strong brand. Yes, we Salt Lakers want to wipe dirt off our farmer's market produce. But which farm stand do we beeline for? Probably the one we already vetted on Instagram. Now, how fair is it to ask our farmers to build an online presence? It depends who you ask, but I think it's a pretty tall order. For his part, Thane Taggy maintains that the best farmer's market in this valley is the one run by the Farm Bureau, Fridays and Saturdays from 8 to 1 at Murray Park. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, if there's a total character, a great story, or a curiosity about Salt Lake that you'd like us to explore, we are at your service. Give us a call at 801-203-0137 or email us, saltlake at citycast.fm. We want to know what's up in your neighborhood. And we'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.
1: And now, sponsored by Coca-Cola, yeah, here's honestly. your refreshment for the Thank day. You and I are
0: both sponsored by Coca-Cola, let's be real. It's already That's happening. Right.
1: That's why we're sitting upright. right a quick upright. message from our sponsor. <laughs>